Good morning, Ridgeway Church. On August 17th, 2014, I shared a, a message. It was a final message in a series on the Lord's Prayer. Now, what's significant, what's significant about, uh, uh, about August 14th, 2014, it was the Sunday following the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, which was the beginning of great unrest, not only in that community, but throughout our nation. And it created a conversation that was much needed. Fast forward six years, and it seems like, uh, sometimes it seems like we take one step forward as a nation and we fall back two steps. And my heart has been really heavy uh, for the last 10 days, just a, a little secret, I filmed these uh, these messages on Wednesday so that our, our video team can can do all the needed uh, work that puts the worship and the, and the message together. But um, it's been around 10 days, but when we watch this together on Sunday, two weeks since uh, the tragic, the tragic death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Um, and I would like to this morning talk again and do kind of like a flyover of that series on the, uh, on the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew chapter 6 uh, so that we can use that prayer to pray into our current situation and the brokenness that we see all throughout our community and, and our nation. And even in parts of the world, this has had a tremendous impact. And, um, and I say prayer, and I've chosen prayer because prayer touches the heart of God. Jesus is our only hope amidst these painful seasons. Now, because the dark shadow surrounding this horrific death of George Floyd is real, we need to talk about it. And then we need to respond appropriately. Many of us have and are. And then as Christ followers, we need to be about prayer throughout and in all of this. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, the, pray without ceasing. Whenever the Holy Spirit lays it on our heart, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom in how to pray. And I, I, just, I, just want us to, I just want us to look at this and see if we can't draw from Jesus' teaching on how to pray, how we can pray. So let me pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, I just come to you uh, this morning. And uh, like many of our viewers, our, our church attenders, our hearts are heavy so much emotion, so much pain, uh, so much sadness. Uh, and we look to you, Holy Spirit, to bring comfort to our nation. We look to you, Holy Spirit, to, to lead us in Jesus for your light to shine even in the darkness right now. Lord, I just give you these moments and I ask you to speak through me and to, to touch our hearts as we look to your word. And Holy Spirit, we look to you for comfort. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So Jesus taught his disciples to pray and he said our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name that's not language we use very much today hallowed that simply means god we honor you father we honor your holy name so what is god really like uh, he's a caring father jesus uses this instruction our pray our father uh, and this, this, this is something where Jesus, I think, was breaking the rules because if you read through the Old Testament and you understand the mindset of the, of the ancient Jewish people and their faith in God, you understand that nobody really 
or rarely did anyone use God or, or call God Father. In the Old Testament, the, the thousand or thousands of years prior to Christ's birth, uh, we only find in, in, in those ancient scriptures, Father being given seven times. People were not accustomed to calling God Father. Oh, they called him uh, Creator, Almighty, Jehovah, uh, the Judge, uh, and, and the list goes on, but not, not Father. Uh, but in the Gospels, we find Jesus over 150 times referring to God as Father. That was his reference to God. Isn't that amazing? So this is how it begins. And Jesus is shadowing all the, he's shattering all the stereotypes of, uh, of, of what God could have been, uh, God could have been projected as or who he was. Uh, he, he's taking away the, the concept of an angry tyrant or, or an ogre with a club or heartless or an impersonal force in some far off distant universe. Father is close. Father is here. Father is intimate. Father cares. In fact, uh, in Psalm 103, uh, the psalmist says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. And Peter writes to the early church, this, his letter, and he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's the heart of God. And we could take a whole message and just unpack the character of God as it's been revealed to us through Christ, through Jesus in the New Testament. But what better verse uh, comes to mind than John 3.16? So many of us, that was the first verse we ever memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. What's the heart of God, the heart of God is great love for the whole world, not just a select few, not just an elect. The elect were the Jews of old, and now the whole world uh, is, is open to the great grace and the cross of Jesus Christ, God's love. And so our Father in heaven, uh, Jesus goes on to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, by the way, when we think of our Father, I think we need to be praying for those around us and uh, those who are hurting. Some of you may be hurting. Some of you may be effect, affected very closely to uh, what's, what's happening in our, in our culture right now, in our world today. Uh, uh, there's, but there are other neighbors that we have who are, are brokenhearted, again, hurting. We can be assured that God cares for them. And I think that's the takeaway there as we see that first phrase there in, in, in this beautiful prayer that Christ instructed us to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Secondly, then the kingdom, or I should say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean? What does this mean? And, and, and how does this apply to our lives, thy kingdom? We live in a democracy or a republic, and, and we're not very good at that, that kingdom language. What is God's kingdom? Uh, or maybe we should begin by saying, uh, God's kingdom is not. Let's just start there. Jesus said in John 18, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Um, it's not a political uh, uh, force. It's not a, a national force. It's, it's not a theocracy. We've seen, we've seen those tried and, and they always fail. Uh, the kingdom of God is not left and it's not right. It's not a, a donkey and it's not an elephant. The kingdom of God is not something that we just talk about. It's not just conceptual. It's not just confessional. It's just not creedal. In fact, Paul writes to the Romans and he says, 
Uh, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. You probably recognize that as a more creative uh, uh, rendering. That's the Message Bible. I, I like that. Uh, it's, it's not what we put in our stomachs, for goodness sake, but it's what God does with your life as he sets it right. Now, we're probably more familiar with the scripture that says, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, putting our lives right as we are formed and fashioned into the person of Jesus. We become more and more like Christ. It's a journey. And every day we get to be more and more like Jesus, hopefully. And uh, there's peace and there's, and there's joy. And that's something that we take with us. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Talk can be so futile. It can be so lightweight. But there's power in this kingdom because it's wrapped in the purposes of the Almighty God, the God who created all things. And the kingdom of God is something, uh, we talked about what it's not, but it's something that we live right now. And it's transformational. It's something that can has the power, as I said, to change our lives. Uh, the kingdom of, of God is Christ's work and his presence in the world today and that's made manifest through that thing that he said he would build, the church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, that's been translated church in English. And that's what we are. The church isn't a building. The church is a people. We found that to be so and to, to be true here during this, this virus. But the church is, is, is a called out force within the earth uh, that lives by a different set of rules. And, uh, and, and, and we can see that, that the kingdom of God is, is being uh, birthed through Christ's presence in a people uh, throughout, the, throughout the nations. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is because he's the king. So it's in the heavenlies. Uh, the Bible says Jesus ascended and is seated at the right hand. It's in the earth right now because he, he released his kingdom and it's being made manifest as Christ followers um, imitate Jesus Christ, okay? So the kingdom is, is now around us. There's kingdom sightings every day. When you see the good things of God being worked out, those are kingdom sightings, all right? It's not quite yet because uh, the consummation will only occur when King Jesus uh, returns to earth, when heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, as the lyric says, or the, or the repaired lyric says. Uh, and, and so Jesus Christ is, is, is uh, going to return someday, and then the kingdom will be in full force. But there's sightings all over. And this is an opportunity right now for the kingdom of God to be seen in our city, in our surrounding communities, in our nation, because the kingdom of God is not just in the earth, but it's being made manifest again through our lives as those who follow Jesus Christ. So uh, that's the kingdom, uh, the kingdom come. And I think what's interesting is uh, his will, thy will be done. That's the, I think that's the important part of the phrase. The, the two go together. When his kingdom comes, his will is done. When his will is done, that means his kingdom is here. Okay, so they're really inseparable. But I think it's important for us to kind of dwell on that for a second your will be done, Father. It, it's not about you, it's not about me today. And, and how we relate to wherever we're at in history, it's about his kingdom being made manifest in our space 
and we pray that way, and Jesus taught us to pray that way, that his will would be done. So when we pray, we pray, Father, what is your will for me in this hour? Father, uh, or Lord Jesus, how should I respond to this crisis around me? Lord, how should I surrender my heart and, and my soul and my agenda and my will to your kingdom purposes? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus told us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And so we pray, Father, you are our source. Uh, we are dependent on you. He is the source of our daily bread. And uh, we trust you for our daily bread. You notice Jesus didn't say, pray, uh, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. This is a cooperative. This kingdom is a body. Uh, the body of Christ is the expression of the kingdom, the church. And you know what? Uh, it's a we, not a me. And so we trust you, Lord, for our daily provision, and not just food, it's our spiritual well-being. It's all kinds of things. I don't have time to unpack that this morning, but, uh, and we pray, Lord, help us to share with others what you've so graciously provided us. Think of it. God always gives surplus in our lives. And it's not so that we get fat and sassy. It's so that we can pour out our lives and our hearts and our resources, our time, our, our talent and our treasures to those around us. And so we pray that way. We pray, Lord, uh, uh, you are the source of all that we need and we are dependent upon you. So we live in a moment filled with great need. Uh, as never before in the last 10 days or two weeks. Uh, there's physical needs, there's emotional needs, there's spiritual needs, uh, there's financial needs. And we need to be alert and we need to be on guard. We need to be ready as those who are uh, extending the kingdom of God in this hour to, to be a, a resource for those who need sourcing. Uh, there's a scripture that we often quote, to whom much is given, much is required. And oh, as Christ followers, wherever we come from, whatever nationality, uh, whatever denominational stream, we are so well sourced by the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives and the presence of his spirit and all the, the giftings he's given us. Again, not for a tight-fistedness, tight but for an open-handedness. And as we pray into the needs of those around us, uh, let's, let's see where the Lord leads us, all right? Let's see where God takes us. Uh, it, we may find ourselves standing along someone in this season. We may find ourselves weeping. Uh, several times in my office this week, uh, I have a, an old chair, a wingback chair that uh, the funeral home had gifted us and it found its place in, in my office and back in the corner. And there's a couple times today, this week, where I just, I, I just was driven to my knees and I, I, I just wept over all that's happening and, and, and for my brothers and sisters in the African-American community and, and for our nation. And, and this could be a time as we pray, uh, God, uh, that God would take us in how he's source, resourced into our lives and, and, and enriched our lives so that we can weep and we can serve and we can give and, and, and probably more than anything, and maybe this is as much for me as it is for you, uh, we can listen. We can listen like we've never listened before. You know, that's hard to do. Um, but it's time, I believe, that we, that, we, that we pause and we listen to the heart cries of those 
of our neighbors who are hurting at this time. Jesus goes on to say, forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Uh, one translation says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And, uh, and, and, and this, I, I just wanna say, and I'm, I'm asking myself even today, it, is, is, is there racism in my life? Is, is there something in my life that's lending itself towards racism? Now, the first thing I'd say is, no, I, I am not a racist. I, I'm cautious in my life to not be that. I, I pray uh, against that. I pray for a reconciliation uh, for all races and all peoples and all tribes. But uh, is there something in my life that's lending itself towards racism unbeknownst to me? Uh, maybe it's a sin of ignorance. Uh, this, you know, I, I don't understand why, why you're so upset. You see, I or we may see the brutality done to George Floyd on the streets of Minneapolis as a, as a horrific incident, and it was, and it is. But our African-American brothers and sisters, our African-American neighbors see it as deja vu, you know? They just, they just see this as a, a cycle of, of continuation, another name added to an exceptionally long list of names spanning over, get this, over five centuries. Maybe sometime this week you should just take a few minutes and, and, and Google the, the Atlantic slave trade that began in the 1500s and, and read about how between 10 and 14 million Africans were, were transported like animals across the Atlantic from the west coast of Africa to the Caribbean, and how two to three million, it's believed, perished in that two to two and a half month voyage. And, and, and I was reading how many of the, 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 those coastal nations in, in the last few years or decades, have, have the leaders have, have asked for forgiveness for those of their people who many of them were, were sold into slavery because of warfare and such by their own tribal people because the Europeans coming with the boats didn't want to stay on the coast long because malaria would take them out. And so they had this thing and they were trading arms and guns and, and, and goods to these, these, these African leaders and these, these, these warring countries and innocent lives were treated like animals. And, and, and stacked like cordwood, and, 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 and a, a, a sizable percentage perished in transit to the, the West Indies, to Jamaica. And, and then they were, they were put into slavery, and many perished in, in the Caribbean. And then, of course, we know history. They're brought up into America. Some went down to South America. And, and, and it's just a travesty. It's a tragedy. And, and, and maybe it would be good for us just to, to go back and just refresh our memory because uh, for, for me to not understand, because my ancestry came by boat, but it was by choice. And it was much later than many of our African-American brothers and sisters came here. My, you know, our, our people migrated here in the later 1800s probably. But the slave trade had been discontinued and by that time, I think even slavery had been outlawed. But we know history. And you know, just because you shut down an atrocity and something that's so dark and so demonic as, as human slavery in our nation's history, that just shutting it off didn't end the, the Jim Crow and the racism and the, the decades of brokenness. 
So when George Floyd dies in the streets of our, of our city of Minneapolis, it's just one of many names and it's a wound that's so deep and it barely heals and barely scabs up and it's reopened. And I, until I listen, until I pray, until I'm quiet and I shut up, I don't, I'm not sure if I can even enter into that pain. We need to listen. We need to pray. We need to pray for, and we need to ask forgiveness for our ignorance. We need to ask forgiveness for our sins of silence. You know, of course we see this as injustice, but what, what can I say? Oh my goodness, let's just go to the scriptures and see what God says. He is opposed to injustice. He is for the widowed and the orphan and the broken and the hurting and those who are, are, are cast to the fringes of society. God's heart breaks for them. Find the scriptures, just post that and say nothing and pray and see what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives and through our lives. How about the sin of turning a blind eye? You know, you say, sin of blindness. I, I was reminded of, of Jesus' parable. I just want to read this to you in Luke chapter 10. The scripture says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus said. And the, and, and the teacher replied, um, uh, he, he, Jesus replied, I'm sorry, how do you read it, Jesus asked. He, and, and, and this leader answered, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. And I said, do this and you will live. <laughs> Jesus said, that's eternal life. Uh, but look at this. But, you know, this religious leader, this Pharisee or this scribe or whoever it is doesn't say right here, in this, in this, in this uh, text, it says, but he, this religious leader, wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You know, he was saying, I, I'm a, I do okay with this. I'm not a racist, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't comprehend their pain. I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a just person. I, I would never dream of hurting or taking a life or. Or, or, or causing pain to, to a neighbor. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to say. And you can just imagine the excuses in his mind he's having because he's trying to justify himself. I, I think I'm better than most people. I'm a religious leader. And then Jesus gives us, of course, that beautiful story of the, the man going down to Jericho who falls amongst thieves and he's attacked by these robbers. He's stripped of his clothes. And Jesus says, left him half, half dead. Now that's, that's in a very critical place. And a priest, leader, in, in their faith, a, a Levite comes along and both of them see him. And what do they do? They avoid him. They cross to the other side of this, the road and they, and they ignore him and they keep moving. But the Samaritan took pity on him, right? Took him up, poured in the oil and the wine. He had some medicinal, uh, medicinal properties to care for his, his woundedness and, and, uh, and, and, and put him on his donkey and took him to the inn and cared for him, gave money to the innkeeper and said, if this isn't enough, when I come back, I'll, I'll settle up. What and Jesus says, so who's the neighbor? And of course, the religious leader says it was it was the one who stopped. Now the Samaritan was was hated by the Jew, and the Jew was hated by the Samaritan. So look at this 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 race story brought into one of the greatest stories of neighborliness. And Jesus uses the example of someone who would have been hated by a religious leader in the Jewish in Judaism of that day. The Samaritan took pity. So. 
I, the blind eye. And we need to ask maybe the Lord just to repent us, so repent of just of, of just putting blinders up. And maybe we don't even realize that we're doing it, but we just, we avoid it because it doesn't feel comfortable to talk about this. It doesn't feel comfortable to walk into the pain because it reminds us maybe of, of our own brokenness as a nation or whatever. But but we must take off the blinders and ask the Lord to forgive us for uh, for for acting blind or uh, or choosing to, to, to lend a blind eye or a deaf ear to those around us who are hurting. I like what Mark Twain said is most people, Mark Twain said, most people are bothered by those passages in Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I always notice the passages in Scripture which trouble me most are those I do understand. Yeah, this, I think we all understand what's called of us to be neighbors during this time. And it's probably a whole lot less talking and a whole lot less prayer and doing in this season. Jesus goes on to say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. I just quickly conclude here, but it says, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna experience hurt people. This is our opportunity to extend uh, grace and forgiveness. Um, uh, we've been hurt in the past, and guess what? We're gonna be hurt in the future. I can guarantee that. If we don't learn how to release that hurt and that pain and offer forgiveness, um, uh, then it's gonna be a cycle that destroys us as a cancer that eats away at our bones. Uh, one of his disciples, I think it was Peter, said, hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And, and Jesus said, seven times 70. Well, Jesus wasn't saying 490 times. He was saying unceasingly. That was another way of just saying, don't ask that question. Be ready to forgive. In fact, that's the picture of Christ on the cross for the whole world to see. Some of his last words, Father, forgive them, as his hands were outstretched, uh, for they know not what they do. And we get a chance to do that in our Christian faith. That's a uh, that's in our DNA as followers of Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, finally, uh, Jesus teaches us to pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'm just thinking in light of where we're at and trying to make application to, 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 to today and what's all around us. It, the temptation is to act out in a spirit that's unlike Christ. I'll just say a spirit of darkness, anger, or rage instead of a spirit of Christ's light, which would be compassion and forgiveness. Hey, protests are wonderful. Let's not be uh, alarmed by protests. I think these are mo very important. I, I went down last Saturday and I, I stood beside some of our, our, our African-American pastors and, and a couple of our pastors to the, uh, for the first major rally. I think there's 10 or 15,000 that they figured were around the Capitol. And, and uh, it, was, it was great. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be necessarily how I'd put on a, uh, a march or a rally. I'd want a whole lot more prayer, <laughs> a whole lot more falling on my face and crying out to God. But I wanted to be there for my fellow pastors here in this community and specifically those pastors of color, our African-American brothers and sisters. Um, so, uh, but now no, the flip side of that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the violence and the, you know, and the, some call it anarchy, but that stuff, you hear the outcry coming from from all the leadership, that's not where we wanna go with this. And so we all condemn that. We pray for our businesses that are being disrupted or in some cases destroyed. We've heard stories of that by the recklessness and the anger and the violence. And we need to stand against that as we, as we applaud and pray for those who are standing up for lives in our nation. And so um, uh, I just want you to be aware of this. I've, I've signed off on a letter and it's a letter asking forgiveness 
to those in, in, in our community who are of African-American descent and our pastoral leadership. It's going to be posted in, in our papers either, um, um, well, I'm not sure because again, I'm doing this on Wednesday. It's either this this week, and, or as which would be past as you listen to this, or uh, this coming week. So uh, I'm sure there'll be copies of that. It's just a few paragraphs, and and we signed off, and I signed our church to that. And when my last view, it looked like there's. 20, 30, 40 names and growing. Uh, and so we're coming together and uh, we've committed to next Sunday as, as, as a Sunday to pause and to pray and to maybe again for us to speak into this situation. And we're praying about something creative that we could maybe do uh, to, to help teach us and, and lead us in this time. But the body of Christ throughout our city is taking June 14th uh, as a time to pause and to pray for and to potentially speak into this situation again, uh, uh, um, racial reconciliation and healing from heaven, amen. So, um, and also one other thing I just wanna share, uh, an opportunity tonight, Sunday, June 7th, at six o'clock at the Library Mall on State Street, I believe that's at the bottom of State Street, the Library Mall, um, uh, there's going to be a a, a walk and a gathering uh, hosted by our African-American pastors, a prayer rally, and again, a, a walk, I believe, up State Street. And you are welcome to come and join us in that. I'm planning on being there, Debbie and I, and probably much of our leadership. Come and, and, and join us with that. Here's a, um, uh, 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 anyway, so I'll, I'll just move on here because uh, as you can see, we have communion here now in, in a moment. But so come and let's 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 stand together. Let's, let's, uh, Let's come alongside our fellow believers here in our community who are African-American and, and love them and, uh, and, and, and stand with them. I'll, I'll give this illustration. Uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball, and you know the story, and he was the only African-American playing baseball, and so he'd go to visiting parks and he'd have jeers and racial slurs thrown at him, and, and it, just, it was very difficult because there's no other blacks in the in the major leagues at that time. And uh, then one day he committed an error at second base where he's playing and and, uh, and his own his own crowd, home crowd began to boo him and jeer him. And it was at that time that the shortstop whose name was Pee Wee Reese came alongside Jackie Robinson and amidst the boos and the cat calls and the hatred he put his arm around Jackie Robinson, and uh, and Jackie and, and by the way, the booze quieted, the whole stadium quieted because Pee Wee Reese was an all star, and so was Jackie Robinson. He was an excellent player, but Jackie Robinson said, and was quoted as saying something to the effect that that moment changed my life. He felt so alone, racism in his own clubhouse, racism everywhere he went. And that day he felt so loved and so strengthened by somebody coming and standing alongside him. So that's what I want to do tonight is, and we invite you to come out as well, is just take a step out and stand with other brothers and sisters uh, of all different races as we invite God's kingdom reign into this situation because we know that's where change and effect will occur. Amen. Amen. Let's close with this, uh, with this prayer uh, that you're familiar with. Why not pray it? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. A kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for communion.
oftentimes we, we look to the table not just as uh, a memorial, but as an encounter with Jesus Christ. Uh, the prophet Isaiah said, by his stripes we're healed, and, and Peter echoed that in his letter, by his stripes we are healed. We know that's a, a spiritual encounter and salvation, and sometimes there's, there's, there's healing in, in the power of Christ in, his name, in the name of Jesus, physical healing, emotional healing, but I'm just thinking about racial healing today and for my own heart that may be uh, darkened in, in areas that I don't even know. And I, I, I invite you as we, as we come to the table, come hungry to receive all that God would have to offer us. But can we go a little bit deeper and say, Lord, do a, do a work in my life if, if it needs to be done. Uh, heal me of attitudes or, or, or indifference or brokenness or uh, if there be any hidden racism, Lord, would you cleanse us? Uh, I would just love to believe that uh, as we pray this morning around the table, as we gather as family and, and, and friends, that, that, that the Lord Jesus would take out of this broken time in our history as a nation, uh, he'd take an opportunity through this to, to strengthen and galvanize and unify his church so that we could be a beautiful expression of love and forgiveness and healing and hope. So, the Apostle Paul, take your, your bread if you would. Uh, it says on the night that, that Jesus, he, 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 he said this, that the Lord Jesus delivered this to him and on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and, and we had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, it says he took the cup and uh, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Uh, uh, in remembrance of me for as often as you drink, uh, eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord Jesus, we proclaim your death today and all, all the, the blessings that flow from Calvary today and from the cross. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you do a deep work in our hearts as we, as we remember and we partake of your, of your body and of your blood, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would you do a deep work in our hearts and our lives today. Lord Jesus, that you would, uh, that you would uh, care for us and that you would uh, reveal to us. And Lord Jesus, that you would even uh, expose any darkness in our hearts. Forgive us of any sin, Lord Jesus. Cleanse us now as we receive of your cup and your bread. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you.